Happening. I feel like I should sing, introduce you, because we have a real artist here, but I'm not going to. It's not my gig. Literally fresh off the stage tonight, Ashley Hollander, what is happening? Yeah. Where were you tonight? I was at... Because you're literally like just off the stage, and now you're in here doing this. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Love it. I was at Stone Brewery. Okay. Good show? Fantastic show. Feel good about it? Hell yeah. Perfect. That kind of... I feel like that sums up a little bit of like your... Probably your year, huh? Like... Literally off the stage, pack it up, drive over here, hang out. Let's do something else nonstop, huh? Yeah. Once you have, like, momentum, you want to keep moving with it. Kind of yeah. ride that wave into the next thing, so. I can see it. All right, before we get into what you're doing, where you're at, social media stuff, give it to us, please. Yes. My website is hollander.com, and my Instagram is hollander.music. Follow it. And I'm also on Spotify, so look me up. Good. We talked about this a little while ago, the social media and uh, having a business Instagram account. Tough gig. It's a real blow to the ego for me most days. Yeah, and I just feel like they kind of try to remind you a little bit too much. I know. I know. I think the, the biggest thing for me was like having a story. Like we talked about this, having a story and you like get literally the stats on the story. And it's like, <laughs> and there's like 200 people viewed the story and 111 of them fast forwarded past it. And you're like, what the fuck? Thanks, guys. Dicks. Right? They're not real sporters. No. Block it's terrible. You think now, I, but you know what? Now that they know that, if they're listening to this, I bet they're going to watch it all. That's marketing. Hell yeah. Smart move. Smart. smart move. Super smart. All right. So it's been a big year. I've been following you since for a long time on uh, Instagram, watching kind of everything you've been doing. I want to know where you're at now. Kind of, it's been a journey. How long have you been doing music? Forever. How long, like, uh, let's say shows and kind of. I'd say the last five years. Five years? Yeah. And now, where are you at right now? Like in five years, where you're at right now, talk to me about that. Um, consistently gigging uh, from pretty much San Diego to LA. I'm hoping to obviously expand on that. Finishing up, I literally just this week finished up some recording for my upcoming album. Pumped um, about that. Oh my God. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. Is it? So you were in there for like a week. Is that what it was? How, what is been it? there for three days, like, total, but we've been in and out of the studio for the last year, kind of just uh, solidifying a sound, finding out what that looks like, and building upon that. So, so yeah, I, I mean, three days of, like, real hard, like, gritty work, but mm-hmm. the last year has kind of been tracking and rewriting and tracking and rewriting, so it's been a process for sure. So then, like, those three days because I don't know anything about this process. Like those three days, is that where you like take the year's worth of work and kind of just say, let's do it, let's get it right? And yeah. And kind of just plug it in. Yeah, so the last year has just been kind of like, okay, this is what the song looks like. Building upon that, what does the, you know, what it, what does the bass side look like? Where, where do we want electric guitars? Do we need to rewrite the parts? And then the last three days have been tracking those parts that we agreed were like, you know, shit that we wanted to keep. Mm-hmm. So we've just been, yeah, we spent like the first two days doing like drums and bass and setting that down and kind of building upon that foundation. That's interesting. And it's all done like separate, like most of it. Like, like I, I don't know. I don't know anything about the music yeah. process, but I think it's weird. Not weird, but it's like, so you got the drums and you mix in a guitar and then you kind of piece it all together. 
And then what do you like when you have the whole song instrumentally, do you jump on there and just like, yeah, belt out the song? Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Just like that. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Does it feel good? Like, do you feel like when you're in there and you know, is there like an added kind of sense of urgency and then, but you have to take it slow because you go, I would love to get this album out. I would love to do this, but I can't, you can't rush something like this. The songs got to be right. They got to be. Yeah. We talked about this a little bit, how as an artist, like you and you, I'll let you kind of explain it, but like, this is like your soul. Like, this is who you are. So that process, you can't rush it. So is it, it's, t- but you probably want to go, I just want to do this. Like I'm pumped about it. I'm excited. Yeah. I want to get it out, but you yeah. can't, you can't just plug out of yeah. half of what you really want to plug out. Music is definitely long suffering. When you record and you're not ready or the song is not ready, or you've got a, you know, a timeline that you have to fit shit in, mm-hmm. you hear it. Like people feel it. Like it's because it has to be so organic because it has to come from the most vulnerable delicate part of your soul if you take that part out of music you're taking the magic out of it it has to be slow it has to fall in the right timing and so that's why i've been in the studio for the last year you know just kind of Mm -hmm. going over shit and i literally walked into the studio with we're doing these songs and i would say majority of those songs haven't made the album because i've been writing in between that time and you kind of learn like what you want your sound to be like and what works and in that time of rewriting stuff it slows down the process but it's for the best because Mm -hmm. you know I think that our best is ahead of us I don't think that you ever really outlive that I think you can kind of the best is always yet to come and so um in that writing process found the songs that I like that work together that kind of tell a story and uh so it took forever how many how many songs how many are on the album how many are going to be on the album five five songs five songs how many in the last year have you gone through or I guess even how many out of those five what is that how many is that selected from do you think I think uh, well we originally sat down with 26 went through 26 songs and we came out with nine that we liked we were going to do a full album but because I wanted to take it slow and kind of keep it organic we decided to bring that down to five but out of the nine that we chose i would say like we're only keeping two because i yeah. just kept rewriting yeah wow. that's crazy yeah it's interesting to listen to you talk about it because i was thinking i was talking to somebody the other day about people and i think well, i wasn't even thinking about musicians or anything when we were talking about this but listening to you talk about how it feels for you and what the process is and kind of why you do it that it's like, this is like you in this album. Like, this is you. And I was talking to somebody, I get you guys are like the perfect actually example of this. And we were talking about how, like, the idea that, like, true happiness, our conversation came from, like, true happiness is, is helping other people. Like, that's how you live a truly happy life. But in the conversation we were having twisted to talking about how, like, but you, it's like a marriage or a relationship. Like, you got to love yourself. You got to be a good person first. Like, mm-hmm. you got to be there first. And then then you can be somebody worth that. So to kind of put it to an artist, we talked about like helping or giving to people. It turned into basically we're all like the gift. Like people are the gift. Like you don't have to look to give somebody. I think if you maximize yourself, like the people will find you. And as an artist, like when you're putting everything into an album, like you're going to write songs that get people through tough times that will never meet you. Like you're going to write songs that literally people jump in the car and that's how they start their day and they're pumped on it. Like that's you maximizing you right and your gift and then in turn that goes into other people and helps them 
And I think that's like a life where you're like truly happy. Like when you put something out there into the world and people go, this is awesome and this helps me. I think that's kind of what the conversation was. So listening to you talk about it as an artist, it's like, that's exactly what you're doing. You're trying to give your best to the world. Yeah. By focusing on yourself, which in turn helps other people. Yeah, because I don't think that music is any one person's. I think music belongs to all of us. And I think that as a songwriter, like these experiences and the songs that come from these experiences, like it's to unify us. And I think music unifies because we all share a certain experience. And in songwriting and in music, some of the greatest songs, I mean, are stuff that we all can be like, yeah, I relate to that. And we might relate to it in different ways. And, you know, it's kind of like if you look at a piece of art and you're like, oh, this is what it is. And, but you have five people looking at the same picture and they have mm-hmm. five different responses. Music is a lot like that, where you can listen to one song and everyone's like, well, this speaks to me because of this part of my life, or this speaks to me because of this part of my life. And so I think it unifies us because it belongs to all of us. Those stories belong to all of us. And I think it is talking. I like that. That's like the the other side of music. Yeah. The people that create it and the people that listen to it. It's interesting to see. Okay, talk to me. So you got an album coming out January. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you have a name for Do you have a title? Is it a name? Is it a title? What do you call it? What do you call it? An album title. Yeah. All right. What Do you know yet? I do, but I don't know if I want to oh, say it. Don't, don't say it then. I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to throw it out there. Keep it. Right, we're good. I'll be, I'll just pretend like you told me afterwards. Yeah. So when it comes out, I'm going to tell everybody I knew. I know. <laughs> All right. Now talk to me then. So we've talked about it. It's been about five years you've been doing this. Tell me about a little bit of the process, I guess, and probably how you've evolved as an artist, as a person, and kind of what it's what it's done to you, I guess. Because I, I, I feel like you can't just cruise through five years of being a musician and be anywhere near the same person as you were when you started. Definitely not. That's the one of the coolest parts, I think, as like being on this side of tracking and recording is like seeing your growth and seeing how you started out one way, thinking this is how it's going to look. And in my mind, it's my job to envision like what I want and how it's going to be. And I think that when you have that vision, you work towards it, but all the growing that you do as a musician and how you challenge yourself and music demands that you challenge yourself in that way and that you grow, it definitely reroutes you and in the best way. And so I definitely started out with kind of a smaller picture, like, oh, this is like what I want to do. And, but through life experiences and things that kept happening and like the way that I would write, it, it definitely demanded that I get a little bit more vulnerable, a little bit more real. And that's super dangerous because you're putting yourself out there to just be examined by everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's a very vulnerable place to be. But that's like, that's the magic. Like, that's the sweet spot. And so um, in that, I just kind of kept rewriting and doing more stuff. And I would say now it's like the most raw my music can be. But it's awesome. Because over time, I think you, you have to like learn to feel like it's it just doesn't matter. Everyone's going to have an opinion. Yeah. They're going to do their thing. Yeah. And then in, probably in the process, you just really turn into like who you are, who you want to be. Because you eventually go, people are going to go, oh, you have a tattoo. Oh, you have this. Like you said that. I, I like, I'm looking at you. I'm like, I feel like I'm sitting with like a rock star. Like I literally just <laughs> took a shot of whiskey 12 minutes ago. My, my throat still burns. It's not my gig, but I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, let's go. Like, let's hang out and talk. And like, so you are it. Like, and it's awesome. And I don't think, you know, and then for every probably one person that looks at that and goes, whoa, there's probably 30 that go, that's awesome. Like, we yeah. feel that. So I think that's probably something I would imagine in doing something like music is that if you want to be good or you want to be great or you want to do it for a living, like, there's no other way to do it other than like 
fully bought in and it's got to be you and it's got to be authentic so yes. I think that's probably a nice little byproduct of becoming yeah. an artist it just kind of comes with the territory at some point you're gonna to have to go if I'm not exactly who I want to be it's not gonna work and I think that that's exactly it you have to know who you are stepping into it because then you don't give a shit what anybody has to say about it because this is who you are and you're presenting that I think when you don't know who you are and you're trying to make music is when you care too much about how people perceive who you are but at this point I'm happy with the person that I am I worked hard to get here and I honor my struggle and I honor what happened to make me who I am today and I'm happy there and so out of that is where my writing comes from and I want to speak to people that are maybe in the same situation that I'm in so to me my music might not be for everybody and that's fine but my music is for people who maybe relate to the places that I've been or you know experience some of the things I do and I hope that they take those songs and make them their own so in any way I mean yeah there's going to be shit to deal with but at the end of the day it's all worth it yeah I think it's interesting to kind of look at the musician rock star whatever you want to call it and, and like you like for me I look at you and go you're literally like 90% of the world's like that's like the dream like oh i would like to be a musician like they just have the life right it seems easy i know it's not but it seems fun it just seems so fun so to have a talent like that like we you gave me a little sneak peek of a song earlier and it was awesome and i literally like turned to your husband robert who's here i was like is this awesome like that this is your wife singing like this is the coolest thing so i think it's great i'm, I'm stoked i know that we went to the same high school we were talking about that a little earlier yeah. too we don't need to get into that, but <laughs> we can skip that portion. But I don't know. I just think it's cool. I think it's cool to see somebody do that and knowing you a little bit, well, years ago in high school and seeing kind of all that happen and you go a certain way. It's, it's fun to see people just kind of become what they're, I think, supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know, and to watch you do it is awesome. I, I, I've seen you live a couple of times and it's fun. It's Thank fun you. to see. So that's why you're here for me. I wouldn't bring a shitty musician in here, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I don't care how good the whiskey is or how cool they look. All right, so in five years you've grown. It's been uh, kind of a thing. And what? So you're writing, and we just kind of touched on it. Like you want it to be now about you know stuff that is you and what you've been through and who you are. Yeah. And you know that there's people out there who are similar, have been through similar things. And that's is that for you? Like you envision when you write songs like I want this to connect with people or is it like this is me 100% and I know it's going to touch somebody somewhere it's both because I definitely put myself on the paper for sure you can only write about what you know so I definitely put myself on the paper but it is still connection because I think as just humanity at our simplest form is what that's what we crave is connection being Mm -hmm. able to connect with people and a lot of us do it in other ways it's not you know just music but for me because music is you know my life that to me is like my most favorite way of connecting with people and you know just being able to like give that and offer that into the world and then have like people receive it and come back and be like oh yeah like totally felt this like that spoke to me that was cool it's definitely that's like the reward uh but i feel a responsibility no matter what to just to just do it just write it mm-hmm. and then and and hope that you you know get that connection from people yeah i think about that with like social media i listen to uh gary v you know who that is Fuck yeah, I do. he's the man I, like I listen to him all the time i think about artists and I, I always go to a clip when i think about musicians about him talking to some rapper and he's like put out every song you ever write 
always on social media. One of them's gonna bang, one of them's gonna hit, one of them's gonna make you popular. But I think for like a real musician, it's deeper than that. Obviously, like you're trying to write things that matter. It's not like you want you just wrote 28 songs. You picked five of them. Essentially, I guess two of out of the nine wrote a couple more. But like it matters to you, and I think that in the long run kind of wins more than let's do it, let's get out there, and let's see what happens. So. I don't know. I think it's cool. I think it's an art. It's an art form. But in talking kind of a little bit about that, I want to talk about what that is, like regular people that watch you or like see you. Like they want to know, or at least I want, I should speak for myself. Like I want to know that feeling of like you're backstage or wherever you are, you're chilling with like people for an hour, hanging out, and then your set's coming up. And it's like, is that a, obviously it's probably changed over the years, but like let's talk about like one of the first times. The feeling of like, okay, I'm about to like go do this thing live in front of people. Like, here we go. Yeah. I've always said it's it's that one breath. So it's never like you have all these nerves like leading up to it. Like, I mean, there's still nerves, but I think now because I've done it so long that it's I know what to expect. I know what I'm capable of. And there's like that confidence in that. When you're not confident, you're definitely having to build upon that. But it's always the the first breath before you say before you sing anything is is where like all of that like resides like mm-hmm. you're, that's where you feel all those nerves all that excitement that energy and that first breath and then as soon as you exhale and you sing that first line it's like it's like a Xanax like it's just that's mm-hmm. when it like it feels like okay we're here like yeah. and it's this incredible experience of this build up and release and and I mean that's where the beauty is is in that tension and so like I, I love that part I love it and I also think that like being nervous and exciting is technically the same feeling it just is your perspective on it mm-hmm. so I've always tried to tell myself like I'm not nervous as I am excited I'm excited to be able to do this yeah. and and so I've never been that kind of person that's like, oh, I'm going to puke. Like, I just, I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. I mean, and maybe, maybe one day I will. But for now, like, I'm just stoked to, to do Be it. Be there and do yeah. it. So yeah. Do it. I think that's an interesting kind of thought on that for, like, for me to think about, like, that first breath and then once you do it. But that's probably the difference of, like, stress, anxiety, and, like, excitement, right? You're confident, so it's excitement. Yeah. Like, people that aren't, it's like, good luck. Yeah. This is going to be a huge bummer for you. Like, and if you screw up the first minute or two, it's like, oh, no, oh, no. And you can't probably can't get it out of your head. But I think confidence is what turns that into excitement. And you're like, you know, you're good. You know what you're doing. And now it's a it's a good excitement. I say that all the time. If you're not excited about it, then you just don't care enough. And you shouldn't do it. Oh, yeah. I think I, my coach in college asked me that before a playoff game. He's like, you nervous? You got butterflies? I'm like, no, like it's my coach. So I'm not going to tell my coach I'm nervous or have butterflies and I said no jokingly I was like are you he's like yeah hell yeah of course it's like if I didn't have butterflies I'd retire and stop doing this because that means I don't care anymore I'm like it's kind of a nice like life perspective on doing things that you care about if if it doesn't matter to you it's life is short I wouldn't spend too much time so ever since he kind of told me that I it was like more of an embrace the the butterflies and the excitement and and it means you care it means you're excited about it Mm-hmm. It's good for you too, and I think it it also helps you to like prepare. I mean, obviously, in sports, like you work for that moment, like you're day in and day out training for that moment. Same thing with music. I think that that's like where your confidence is built is by the time put in. If you don't mm-hmm. put time in, then well, yeah, you're you're probably gonna bomb <laughs> and it's gonna suck. But when you put the time in, you work at it, and 
you prepare, you know what to expect. You know what the outcome is going to look like. Mm. I think that's what I like. I'll tell my guys sometimes, like, let that fear of failure kind of drive you and work like to eliminate it. Like, because you're a little nervous about not being ready, be overly ready. Like get way too into it and be feeling like I'm, I was a little nervous. I didn't know if I was gonna be ready. So I just like put in way too much time and make the moment too big. But I made sure like I used the fear to kind of drive me a little bit. It's a big deal. I don't think you're, you know, any kind of fear of performing, but I think that's a a way to kind of use that as a positive because people will feel it anyways. Like you said, you still get it every time because it's cool. Yeah. That's the cool thing. I thought about that. The last show I think I went to was, was it like Kaboo? Is that the one in Del Mar? It's like a music festival. Yes. Yes. I saw Post Malone. That guy's the man. He's so cool. I love that guy. He is so cool. He's so cool. But I, like right when he jumped out on stage, I was just like, this dude is like the, it doesn't get any better than that like you know like you're about to stroll out on the stage and everybody there thinks you're the man no matter what you do for an hour and a half or whatever it is like you just and, and you're literally like go be you like just go be you and people are gonna be like obsessed with it. it i just love it he's so phenomenal too that guy's got so much talent and i love it and i love watching him like get psyched about stuff mm-hmm. i love it he's not too cool for anything no. Like, it's cool to see people get pumped up about little things, yeah. like regular people, whatever you want to call us, we're all the same, I guess, yeah. but, like, to see a celebrity that has anything, like, at his fingertips to get pumped up about little stuff is, like, you're a human, and you're not cooler than all this, and I love that. I think the world needs more real, just more real people. Mm. All right, let me talk, I want to know a little bit about before the music, VH1, <laughs> remember that? Before the music, is that what that was called? <laughs> Behind the music? What was it? <laughs> I think you might be too young. I know I'm old. I know I remember the. I know I remember behind the music a little bit like before. I know um, you had to have some kind of jobs, whether they were whatever Stater Brothers. I don't I had know. All the jobs. You had a bunch. Did you have a bunch of jobs? I was one of those. There was like a bunch of different people. Like there's people that are like, oh no, like I worked a steady job for eight years. I was <laughs> never that person. I'm a big believer. Like the creative people can't. I do baseball for a living. Like because I just that's what I care about. I've had so many jobs for four days. Okay, like, good. Mm, I'm out. Mm, okay, good. I'm out. I can't do it. I just couldn't, like, I don't know. I couldn't do it. So I'm not surprised to hear that, that you've had a, had a bunch of jobs. But I think that's part of it. Like, you, the creative side of you sits there at a job and goes, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. It feels wasteful. It, like, time is so valuable. And, I mean, at that time in my life, I was obviously working for a paycheck, which, mm-hmm. I mean, we all fucking do, but... I mean, but I loved it. Like, I, I loved, like, seven months was, like, my cutoff. Like, that was, like, as soon as I got to, like, my seven-month anniversary, I was, like, I'm out of here. Like, I'm, done. I'm on the next. Like, I'm over this. So, yeah. I, I, yeah. Isn't that funny? No matter what job it is, like, no matter what job it is, I have never, ever had a job, and I've had some terrible jobs, that I didn't come home, like, the first or second day and been, like, great job. I love this place. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is, but the first day of jobs, for some odd reason... What was your worst job? My worst job? Oh, man. I worked at Starbucks for a little bit when I got out of high school. And I mean a little bit as in literally four days. (laughs) You know how I quit that job? So I, they put me on the bar, like the the coffee. You're a barista. I was a barista at like four in the morning on that drive-thru one off of Rancho Santa Fe. And they only taught me how to make like frappuccinos for the first three days. There's a frappuccino at four in the morning. (laughs) So I literally like got all these like I was I was taking orders like the lady was at the front t- 
table window, taking orders, writing them down, and giving me the cups. And I'm like, I got like three cups, and I literally was like, this isn't my gig. This is not. This isn't for me. So I stacked up. I'm like, I'm gonna see how many I can stack up here before everybody goes nuts. Like everyone. I had like nine cups sitting there that haven't. I haven't done a single thing to them. My manager's like. What are you doing? Like comes freaking out. The first person's like, I ordered a drink nine minutes ago. Where is it? I'm like, I literally turned around, looked at her, and I'm like, I can't do this job anymore. I need to quit. She's like, You need to go clean this place or do something useful for the next four hours until you're off your shift. And I ended up leaving. I gave my two weeks, but I just it was one of those things I'm like, I, this is not my th- not my thing. That's a tough gig. Bruce it's hard. Says, that's a tough gig. It's I hard. have to say, especially that four AM shift, man. It's Respect. early. It's coffee. It's people need it, and it's one of those things where it's like, most people that haven't had it yet, obviously, are coming in to get it, mm. and people people need that to like even be happy and awake to start their day. So when you're dealing with people that are like cruising in, irritated because they haven't had their coffee yet, I did it this morning. I ordered a drink and literally sat there for like ten minutes. I'm like, why? I'm the only person in here. Like, <laughs> And I walk up and I'm like, can I please get a big ice water with my drink? And she's like, yeah. What was your drink? I'm like, I just ordered no. it from the uh, the only other lady in the building. Like, get it together, how did you guys Starbucks. miss this? So, wow. whatever, tough gig. Wow. I also worked at Ralph's for about a week. And I took off on a trip to Vegas with Tim Sherlock for one weekend. And I went in. At, I, my shift was like, it was 3 p.m. to 12 a.m. Went to Vegas with Tim for a week, told my boss I was going to be gone for a few days, and he never put me back on the schedule. And I would go in at like 2 a.m. to check the schedule because I'm like, I don't want to go in when my boss will be there and see me and be like, oh, you're back. Cool. <laughs> never put me back on it. And I got a check sent to me like a year later for like $37 for one day I worked or something. But I don't know. How about you? You have a, you have a worse job? Uh, I've had a lot of worse jobs. My first job was like the worst job, but the best job. I worked at a hot dog stand. Was it the was it the hot dog? What, it um, was hot dog on a stick. No, Please tell me. It tell was... me you don't want to see your wife in that hot dog on <laughs> a stick costume. Don't tell me what a good time. I'm not afraid of that. <laughs> no, it was the hot dog stand in front of Home Depot, which to me is like worse. Like the hot dog on the stand in front of Home Depot. Yeah, like, like a cart, like a hot dog stand. It was cart. like a stand. It was like an actual. I mean. It kind of looked like a little, like, tiny, like, house. It was, I mean, so small, but... Are you just trying to make it sound cute? So you're, like, in your mind, you're like, cute. it wasn't I that was bad. I was cute. I would play Kelly Clarkson, and I loved it. <laughs> see it? No, it was, like, the best because I got to work with, like, my best friend, and we would, like, go there, and I'd serve hot dogs all day and have to, like, fend off, like, creepy old guys. But it paid real well. Only thing problem was is, like, being, because it was so tiny, you'd go home smelling so bad. Oh, I can imagine. So my mom would make me strip down in the garage and leave my clothes in there. Don't bring that hot dog smell in here. And then I would have to run into the house. Hot dogs are the worst too. Oh man, hot dog smells the worst. Yeah, but you should you, no. The worst is the grease afterwards. Is like, it worse than a hot dog burp? Like when you eat a hot dog and then you burp like two hours later, you're like, oh shit, I just ate another hot dog. Can't be worse than that. I don't eat hot dogs. I don't know. Really? You've never had one since that job. Not since that job. You quit no. that job and hot dogs. I at quit the same time? that job and hot dogs. Yeah, I did. What Home Depot was this in front of? Oceanside Home Depot. Okay. Shout out. What's good? What? That's funny. You know what? Those jobs will teach you though. They'll teach you a little bit about life. I loved it. Sitting in a hot dog stand will teach you. I loved it. I loved it. I. I Why did you quit? 
You didn't see a long term future in it? <laughs> my aunt, no, definitely not long term. Mm. <laughs> my aunt owned it at one point, and then when she sold it, I was like, I knew in my heart that nobody else would have an employee like me. Um, and so I was like, I'm not going to last with this new owner. And I just, you know, beat them to the punch and was like, I'm out. My time here is I'm not part served. of this yeah. sale. <laughs> I don't come with the stand. Yeah. So. <clears throat> That's funny. So I was done. But my least favorite was I did retail. Oh. That was the worst. That's tough. You feel like you're dying. That's the worst. Like folding clothes while 14-year-olds come in and like. Awful. Knock over an entire, like. Awful. I don't have the patience for that. I worked at Hollister for, I swear on my life, what I worked a, they do four-hour shifts there. Yeah, that's it, because they I, don't want to have to pay you insurance. Yes, I worked there for two hours, took my 10-minute break, and never came back. <laughs> I only worked there because my wife now, when we moved here together, we were like 20, I think I was, I was early 20, she's younger than me. She was like 18, and she's so, she like fit the Hollister gig. So she went to the interview. It was a group interview. She's like, can you come with me? And I'm like, ah, sure, I guess. Like, apparently Hollister just says, come on out to everybody. <laughs> and I went somewhere else. I was wearing like a suit, not a suit, like a button-up shirt and a tie because I had an actual another interview. Well, damn. I know. You should see how stupid I looked in a Hollister <laughs> interview, <laughs> a group Hollister interview, sitting in a tie with a bunch of 17-year-olds and maybe torn jeans and tank tops. But... I walked in, I, we ended up both getting the job because like everybody did. Walked into the first day and the lady right away is like, are those sandals black? I'm like, yeah, why? She's like, we don't wear black in here. I'm like, this whole store is black. I can't even see anything. There's no lights. Like I don't, who's going to see my sandals? So I was irrit- instantly irritated. And then she gave me like the tagline for the day, right? Don't you have to say like, oh, hey, what's up guys? Or whatever it is to everybody that walks to the door. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. And I think I said something else twice, and she was already on my ass. I'm like, cool. So I took my 10-minute break. I was like, I'm not tight. I'm not going back there. Same Smart thing. move. I folded shirts and clothes and said, hey, what's up, guys, to like everybody that walked through the door for two hours and left. But and you just did it for two my, hours. I was there for two hours, and only because my wife stayed there. She used to be like real concerned about other people and their opinions. Yeah. Because of that, I went back three weeks later to pick up my check for my two hour. I'm like, hey, I'm Bailey's boyfriend. Do you guys have my uh, $17 check from working three weeks ago? She's nice. like, please don't go in there. Nice. But you worked there. Did you work there? I did. I worked there for seven months. That, I told you that's my, my cutoff is like seven months. Seven months and out. Well, technically I did like the, I, I made my rounds. I did like a Hollister, Abercrombie and Fitch and Abercrombie Kids. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, working at Abercrombie Kids, watching these like 11-year-olds come in and spend more than I can afford. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. Can't watch it. I can't watch this. I can't. It's brutal. And they like throw a fit. I want that. Yeah. You just spent like, my paycheck yeah. on two pairs of jeans. Yeah. Yeah. And this is annoying. And then I, I <laughs> and literally. And then i go fold the other 19 pairs you tried on that didn't you didn't buy. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Tough. Exactly. Tough. Complaining about my brown nail polish. What? No. They can't complain about everything there. Can't. They actually bought. I remember my manager bought nail polish remover and kept no it way. in the store. Yeah. Oh in the store. And when we would come in with like any other color that was like not nude. <laughs> That's so rough. He'd be like, take that's a second so and remove your nail polish. I don't. I think that's why I couldn't be a manager of something like that. Like, 
I couldn't do that to somebody. How can you live with yourself? I don't know. There's no way. I don't know. I have no idea. You make somebody remove their nail polish because they're working in a store. But that's, I think, my problem. Like, if, if the owner came in there and told me, take those stupid-ass black sandals off, we don't wear that shit here, I'd be like, yeah, okay, you're the owner. <laughs> like, when the manager does, I'm like, this isn't your store. Like, stop. I'm going to wear these things for the next one hour and 17 minutes before I go to hot dog on a stick <laughs> and take my break and never come back. When they brought black into Hollister and Abercrombie, I was furious. I didn't even know they did. Oh, they when did. When did they do this? It was like right after I left. I was like, of course. Of naturally, course. naturally. Naturally. You're wearing all black right now, are you not? Johnny Cash said, you never know when it's going to be a funeral. That's awesome. That's awesome. Is that your thing? Do you almost always wear, do you always do that when you perform? Yeah. Hell yeah. Is Johnny Cash a big inspiration? Hell yeah. It's one of my favorite music movies of all time. It's just called Cash, right? The movie with Joaquin Phoenix. Walk the Line. Walk the Line. Yeah. I think that was an awesome movie. It's phenomenal. I loved it. The way that they captured it, it was... That's why I think I liked it. I feel like that was like an accurate, like, that was life. Yeah. What are your, circling back to music, inspirations? Like, who who is it that you think you have been driven by and watch and listen to and go, that's somebody... We talked about Elvis a little earlier and his whole personality, but as far as real influences... Was there a moment where you like can look back in hindsight and say it was a bigger moment for me than I thought when I listened to this song or watched that performance? In in hindsight, maybe drove you to go, I want to do something. I want to do this. That's a really good question. I if it takes there. some time to think That's about really it, good. go ahead. I already know. Okay. My okay. So my first influence was Elvis. He, I remember my dad bribing me one time and was like, "I'll give you this guitar if you can learn to play his song, Can't Help Falling in Love." If you can learn how to play this on this guitar, I'll give it to you. And I spent countless hours. And my dad is old school. He only knows how to play, like, bar chords. (laughs) And I think I was, like, in, like, junior high, and I was like, my hands don't do that. And, I mean, I I don't even know if they still do it, honestly. Mm -hmm. But I remember just sitting there, and I'm pretty sure I actually gave myself, like, arthritis, like, after learning how to play that song. Gotta get it right, though. Ugh, I had to. I have that guitar, though. I have it. Oh, yeah, hell yeah. Do you play it? Do you use it? No, it's actually signed by Etta James. I don't touch it. No, you won't touch that. Never touch it. That's awesome. Yeah. So wow. it was like, yeah, it was a really big deal. Um, so Elvis has always been a really big influence, but current day artists now that really like push the envelope for me, Black Keys, um, and actually really just anything Dan Arbach, anything him, his vision for music and the way that he carries it out is just life-changing. Jack White, kind of same situation. I'm a big Jack White fan. That guy is wild. I think I like seeing somebody like that go so mainstream be, just literally because he is who he is. It's like, I don't think he wrote any songs to try to be hits or anything. He wrote what he wanted. He looked the way he wanted. And, and it, he like was huge for however long. And that's, I still feel like, I know that he's had like a ton of accolades and a ton of praise. I still think it's not enough. Like that's how I'm mm-hmm. obsessed I am with mm-hmm. him. Like he's so phenomenal and wild and out there and it works and it's so creative like so creative yeah i'm obsessed with him and then another influence is brandy carlisle i don't know if you what song would i know um i don't want you to tell me lyrics just like belt this thing out like whatever the song is no you don't have to do that i was gonna do it oh you can i was gonna blow your ears out i'm not gonna stop you just get away from that mic she, so which brings me to your next question, like when I knew that like this is what I wanted mm-hmm. to do. 
I was at home and I had like been doing music, but I hadn't been like writing my own shit or like thinking about writing my own stuff. Like, and, like you learn songs, play them, and you're yeah, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. I never really like envisioned being a songwriter and sharing that with people. Mm-hmm. But I was at home and I was just like watching TV and I heard this song. It was on a, I want to say it was a Chevy commercial. And I heard this song. I know, totally unreal. I love it. Totally unreal. It's better than the fact that it's like a performance <laughs> or something. Like that's better than it was a commercial. So fucking weird. And I heard this song and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so good. And I always knew I wanted to be involved in music. I just never knew to what extent. Mm-hmm. She made me want to write songs. Really? Listening to that song, it was called The Story. And I remember searching the interwebs trying to find, like, who sings this song on this car yeah, commercial? You're Googling like, Chevy song commercial. Do you know how difficult whatever. that is? Yeah, it's impossible. It like, was ridiculous. I do stuff like that all the time. And this was, like, in 2010, mm-hmm. which to me is, like, ages ago. Eight like years ago. You know what I mean? For Especially for, like... <laughs> I know that. It's ridiculous. But me I finally husband, found it. Me and your husband really know that. That's like literally light years away <laughs> for me. I feel like it's four hours. He might be younger than me. How old are you? He's younger. You, okay. <laughs> Did you say you are younger? Oh, for sure. He's younger, younger than me. God damn, dude. Uh, yeah. The fucking guy's yeah, a fucking, man. fucking old. No, you don't look old. You got a mustache. Uh, hey. Look at my mustache. You know how long? I haven't seen this thing in like 12 years, dude. Uh, that's pretty sad. God damn, see? You need to drink more whiskey. You're younger than both of us. Yeah, I'm 29. <laughs> Holy shnikes, man. Yeah. Good I'm for sorry. you. I'm 358 weeks old. That months. sounds better. Months. Months? 358 months old. Do you, why you know, the whole kids thing everyone says oh, their kids are oh, hey. 16 months thank old you. thank you for You're saying that months old. no thank you for saying that <laughs> thank you for saying that. I have a three and a half year old daughter and I oh my goodness the second she got to 12 months I was so happy that we could just say she's a year old and then all of a sudden it's like and love my wife she didn't do this very often but it's like how old is your baby like oh 14 months like my baby's a year old a freaking year god dang like i'm 32 in 10 months maybe 33 in two months everybody like come on stop yeah it's crazy but do you know that that's how many months old you are because like that's that's a topic that, for you and you I, have it or did you just no, go we like literally had this conversation okay today okay really because we had a couple friends that had their kids while she was playing and they said their age and then i was talking to my friends that don't have kids i thought you were just drunk and you just came up with that number i know well i'm turning <laughs> no, i'm turning 30 in two months so you, 30 times 12 I went to a very prestigious school. Yeah, 30 times 12 minus 2, super simple. It's obviously 472 months. Oh, did you say 350? <laughs> Never mind that. That's why I did it. Wow. I like we that. I literally have this conversation tonight. That's why I brought it That's up. That's funny. That's the truth. I'm yeah, telling you, if good. and when you guys ever have kids, it is a, I would call it super unfortunate. I literally have like two friends in my whole life that I like see and hang out with. Like I don't do anything ever. The two friends I have are two guys that coach with me at Carlsbad. And that's probably why they're my friends because I see them every day and whatever. But so one of we all had our first baby at the same time. Literally, one guy had his in the beginning of December. My wife and I had ours at the end of January. And then the next one was born on Valentine's Day. So within two months, literally, me and my two 
friends that I actually know and hang out with all had baby girls. And you talk about a competition. It's like, oh, she's not walking. She's this. She. I'm like, stop. Our baby's not any smarter than the rest of them. Like, I don't want to hear about this and that. Babies are tough to not pretend like they're a genius the first four months you have them. <laughs> and my wife, my poor wife would look at me like, because I'm super honest. People would be like, oh, how old's your baby? And I'm like, three months old. And like, is it awesome? I'm like, it's horrible. <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> I don't sleep. There's no personality yet. Like, it can't do anything. And then, like, six months and beyond, greatest thing in the world. Like, little personality comes through. It's fun. But I'm telling you right now, if you're a guy and you are telling somebody that the first three months of your baby's life are fun and amazing, you're a liar. (laughs) Liar. Prove Somebody come prove me wrong. And if you do, good for you. But that's, like, the mom's time. That's the bonding time, the whole... There's a different connection there for the mom those first three, four months, but you got me a little hot on that one. I, that's a, that one hits home there, so <laughs> good chiming over there. Thank you. You're like almost the opposite of what we just talked about. Like, we've had eight zillion jobs. You became a firefighter, like, boom. He is. Yeah, like, yeah. right? Yeah. I think uh, because you're here, not because you're here, and I think you're cool. I know you. You've actually helped. You actually showed up and helped in my life. I won't go into it, but very cool. I won't say underrated because I'm sure that Ashley lets you know, and we've talked a little bit about how much it takes for everybody to make something like an artist or anybody that's doing their own thing work. But man, like, well, we talked about your work schedule. I mean, you're sitting here right now, and it's like, this is a long day. So to have that support, obviously, when you love somebody, it doesn't feel like a task. But I think that is definitely, and you'll probably agree, the backbone of the whole thing. Having somebody support, my wife is the same. I have one job that somebody else pays me at Carlsbad High, and two jobs that I am the guy, and it's work. Like, if you're going to be self-employed, you're going to work, like, constantly. Mm-hmm. So to have somebody else that kind of understands that and lets you do it and then supports you, that's Huge. as much as the success as your own gift and your own talent. So, Huge, yeah. Touche, buddy. Yeah. Switching gears to working out. Obviously, you got to be in a little shape and have some cardiovascular to get up on stage and sing. Mm-hmm. I like to work out. I watch you post a lot of CrossFit videos, which I think is great. I did CrossFit once in my life, lasted about 16 minutes and rolled over onto my back and said, this is not for me. Is it an obsession, I think, right? Like, explain this to me, because how long have you been doing CrossFit? It's four years. Okay, four years is like a, that's a thing, right? Like, most people work out for like four weeks, four months, and then burn out. Four years of doing, it's not the same workout, it's the same style. It, It is a total lifestyle, right? Yes. 100%. 100%. For somebody that has never bought into it, and I have nothing against it, just it wasn't my thing, what is it that like gets you so sucked in and you're like, I think it's great. I think people look phenomenal that do CrossFit. But what is the draw? What is the culture that surrounds CrossFit that makes people go, this is my life? I think it's one part, the fact that you it's constantly varied. So you're doing constantly varied movements and it's functional. So, are most of the workouts pretty quick? No, dude. No, okay. No, I mean it's like like constantly varied, also in your domain as well. So like your time domain. So, you'll have some days like we're gonna do Fran, and it's Fran's a typical crescent workout. What is is Fran an acronym? It's a workout. It's a workout that you do. That's like well known. It's a benchmark workout. F R A N. Yeah, so it's twenty one fifty nine of thrusters and pull ups. Why is it called Fran? They have, like, a bunch of different workouts named after chicks. That workout should only take, like, 
sub six minutes. Really? Normally, yeah. So that's like a fast, quick workout. But then you have workouts like Murph. Okay. Which could take 45 minutes to an hour. Is Murph a girl? I believe he's a lieutenant. So there are like workouts named after chicks and then there's workouts named after like heroes that like passed away. Okay. So Lieutenant Murphy, I believe he was lieutenant. He passed away in the line of duty and they named a workout after him and it, it was his favorite workout to do, which okay. was mile. That's cool. Yeah. Like super cool. Really like to cool. honor. So like we'll do Murph once a year and that takes a long time. It's a, it's a long workout, but every day is different. That's why like CrossFit likes to advertise the constantly varied. So constantly varied in movements constantly varied in time domain as well so are there like you have to go to a crossfit gym you don't have to but like you have to. that's what you do yeah what is it like when you go in there do they know you guys are coming and they put like according to what you've done is that what is wednesday mapped out based off sunday monday tuesday how does it work all right so like what they tr- for you guys personally. yeah so we follow it's called nc fit it's a like type of programming. Mm-hmm. Jason Kalipa is like a, a very well-known CrossFitter. He does a lot of awesome stuff. And he is the one who writes our programming. He, I mean, he writes it for m- many gyms, but we're just one. But the way that they try to change up the programming is based upon like your monostructural, gymnastics, and weightlifting. So they'll like switch it up between all those. And like based upon what they teach you in CrossFit is you do like certain movements You'll do two movements one day, and then you'll alternate with, like, two other movements, and then you'll alternate with two other movements. So it's constantly changing, like, different things. So you're challenging different parts of your body in different ways. And so you work through that throughout the week, and it kind of moves. And with his programming especially, it moves really, really well. One day we'll do gymnastics and weightlifting, and then the next day we'll do weightlifting and cardio. And then the next day we'll do cardio and gymnastics you like switch it up that yeah. way so that it's like you're challenging different parts of your body okay i know weightlifting i know cardio what would be considered gymnastics any type of like body movement like, like where body your weight? body weight movement so like pull-ups push-ups okay. box jumps air squats yeah toes to bar like hand muscle ups handstand push-ups like those types of i things. think it's great i actually think crossfit is great it's not for me it's not for everybody i cruise around the gym and bench press and then sit on my phone for two and a half minutes nice and then do it again and then do it till i'm tired and leave <laughs> like i'm pretty slow like in the gym i don't i'm 32 I, don't, I look at it and i go do i need like if i was a firefighter i would have different workouts if i was on stage performing and needed, i would have different workouts but i'm at 32 years old with a wife and a baby my only objective is to just look good whatever works for you yeah I yeah mean, but I wouldn't mind looking like a CrossFit person. You guys all look very similar, and it's pretty incredible, really. Like, I think it's incredible. Like, you look at the only two people that work out that look the exact same are bodybuilders. I'm talking about, like, Olympian, like, roided out, Ronnie Coleman, you know, like, they all look the same, obviously, because they're they're doing the same thing. But CrossFit, to me, is it's unbelievable that you can literally look at somebody and go, that guy does CrossFit, that girl does CrossFit. Like, it's the weirdest thing. Is it just the exercise that build the body that way? And I think it's crazy to me. It's weird. It's actually weird to me that I you can recognize it. it. I think it's a great look. I Women love... look strong. And I think strong now is like sexy compared oh, to it's so hot. being anything else, right? Yeah. I, I, I should. It's probably all sexy and good, but strong is sexy now, which is cool. Like, and I know most women when they start working out are like, well, I don't want to get all buff and like. 
but then it's not it's not like women get buff because they have, have the same testosterone as men but yeah. you look good you it, what happens is you look like you take care of yourself and you look like you give a shit that's a huge deal and people should they should like people should there's there's something empowering about pushing yourself to limits and seeing what your body can do mm-hmm. and i think men have that opportunity a lot more just based upon like how you grow up and how you know you guys like men are very involved in sports and a lot of women i don't think get the opportunity throughout life as much like being able to be a part of like the crossfit world it kind of it's very empowering i can imagine yeah but w- that's the thing too women this sounds weird, but like if you work out from the age like 16 to 19 or 20 as a man, like when your testosterone peaks, all of a sudden you're like, man, you make gains, whatever, quick. It's quick. Yeah. So women, most of them never really work out. So when you do, it's a pretty quick transformation. Like you get strong, you feel good. Yeah. I could imagine it being very empowering, like really quickly for a woman to go, yeah. man, I feel good. People ask me that, like, why do you work out? I'm like, because I like to roll out of bed. And look in the bathroom mirror and go, cool. I look good. Yeah. I'm ready to go today. Like, yeah. I've been both in shape and out of shape, and I don't feel very good when Same. I roll into the bathroom and brush my teeth and go, fuck, <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> like, it's not good. It's not a good way to start your day. Like, it's put in worst. a little work, eat a little better, and feel good about yourself because that matters. And I also think that it's a representation too of where your mental state is at. No doubt about it. Like I no think doubt that about I it. think it starts in the head. Mm-hmm. Everything gravitates and moves from that space. And for me, another reason why CrossFit's so attractive is the community. And so like when I walk into the gym, people are like, Yeah, you made it in or when anyone else walks into the gym, like, Yeah, you made it mm-hmm. in and it's this community moment where everybody's stoked that we're all together and then you move through a sucky shitty workout and then you survive and you're high-fiving and to me CrossFit's awesome because everybody wants to win at something like we all want to overcome adversity in some way shape or form we want to know what it feels like to overcome and in the gym when you have that opportunity to look at the board and you see the workout and you're like fuck and then you Mm -hmm. get through that workout and it's incredible and you know what it feels like to overcome something that looks scary that translates into the rest of your life Mm -hmm. and then now you're practicing what it means to overcome and to challenge yourself i agree i think to challenge yourself is the big piece like like i literally just told you guys i challenged myself for 16 minutes it's like fuck it i'm out (laughs) but i challenged myself in different ways that's huge but (laughs) it's a serious success for me um but I think that's what people don't want to do. They don't want to put themselves in a position to fail at CrossFit for three weeks and then be, and then survive CrossFit for three months and then thrive in CrossFit for three years. Like people don't want that first four months of it's too much. It's just too much because the big picture for people and today, maybe forever. I don't know. I didn't live any earlier than 1986. But maybe I feel like just today. Everything is so short-term and quick that to think about four months before you can get through this workout without feeling like shit every day is unthinkable to people. Like, why would I do that to myself? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to eat less. I'm just not going to eat. And I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to look skinny but not healthy. And I'm going to be fine with that because it's easier than the alternative. And I kind of wonder if it's that people don't like to be uncomfortable. It totally is. Like, I think that... It totally is. I think we've gotten to a place where people choose comfortability over healthy. 
And not just from a physical standpoint, like even from a mental standpoint, mm-hmm. because fitness is, I think, majority your mentality and it translates into your physical self. And if you can't figure out a way to tell yourself, no, nah, I'm going to get off the couch. I'm going to fucking do this. It shows in how you carry yourself. Yeah. It's See, evident. It's evident. You look at somebody and most of what probably goes on in their life or their head or their mentality is pretty evident. I just think we, we need to start challenging ourselves to be uncomfortable. I agree. It's a good place to live. I think that's exactly why CrossFit is as big as it is, is because it's a community of people going, if I don't show up today, there's the other seven people in my group are, ah, I don't want to show up on Thursday after not showing up on Wednesday. go, I was tired. It's true. My pillow felt good this morning. I'm glad. I uh, hope you guys had a good workout. Like, that sucks. We and give I, people shit, too, oh, for I'm, that. I know. I th- we do. I know. I can imagine. The CrossFit, the whole thing is, I think that's the biggest key to their success is that it's not just you. Yeah. And it's not about the mirrors and this and that. It's about put the chalk on your hands, put the knee straps on, <laughs> do your shit, All sweat, high five everybody, and go home. Hell yeah. And then go do your thing. So I, I think it's great. I like to just ask questions and pick brains about people from people that do that but i think it's great and i think it all comes down to that people don't want to be uncomfortable so when you get around a group of six or seven people i don't know how many people are standard for showing up to a gym and them all being there but when you're comfortable being around seven people and you're not walking into a 24-hour fitness going oh these in-shape people are going to look at me like I'm dumb. I'm not even going to go. Yeah. Because like you said, it's more mental than anything else. People yeah. don't want to go start CrossFit or start something because one day of struggling and being embarrassed in front of people is too much for them. And that just doesn't happen. Like, I mean, you Because that's be... the culture that it's created. It's created, exactly. You walk in going, everybody started here. Everybody started where I did today, where they're going to go through this workout and go, whoa. Yeah. I'm super out of shape. Well, this I think, sucks. I think we're all going to be in that pain. I think that like you're going to find yourself in this position where you're like, okay, I can't breathe. I'm feeling the muscle fatigue. But then you're like, I'm just going to finish it. Like I'm mm-hmm. almost there. I'm just going to finish it. And it doesn't matter if you're the first person to get done or you're the last person to get done. Everybody's fucking stoked on you. Yeah. And that feels good. Yeah. And that just kind of reinforces this idea of, Getting used to being in that place and just putting your head down and continuing. And that translates into all aspects of your life. I was just going to say, CrossFit is life. (laughs) (laughs) I just, like, five minutes ago, I said, I'm going to debunk CrossFit. And now I'm like, CrossFit is everything. (laughs) 16 minutes my whole life, four-minute conversation with you, CrossFit is everything. Do you feel like, you guys do it together some days, most days, all days? Obviously, your working schedule is different, but do you guys... Yeah. So, 50% of the time sometimes? Yeah. I would say 50. 50 and that's, like, even good for the relationship, right? Relationships is, like, yeah. work out together sometimes. and go through your thing, right? Sometimes? Or is it not always? <laughs> he gets done the workouts before me, so when he gets done with the workout and he's like, come on, it's really hard for You're me like, to not just shut flip up. the bird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't even say shut up. you come on get in the truck and go home? I can't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> so I can finish this workout in peace. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that. That's awesome. I I have a little new new respect for CrossFit there. So nice, we did it. You did. You guys did it. Good job on that. I'll, I'll tip my cap to you on that. All right. Well, good. This has been awesome. Tell me again, okay? So we have the album coming out. Yes. 
You're stoked about it. Yeah. The process from now, it's coming out in January 2020. The process this week was after a year of really kind of choosing, picking, writing, putting it all out there. The last three, four days in the studio, what happens from now to January? So from now to January, we are going to, we're trying to shop for mixers and masters, trying to figure out people who will mix and master the music, like EQ it, make sure the levels are all good, kind of just measure by measure, go through shit, make sure there's nothing, you know, wrong. And you, so you'll send people one song, same song. Same song. Say, do what you want with it. Make it sound amazing. Yeah. Well, do your thing. Or yeah. Whatever. Mix it all. And then you get it back. You listen to all of them, and you decide this one sounds the best. Yeah. And then you go work with that person to do your whole album. Yeah. And I think that mixing and mastering is an art in and of itself because they're taking on the vibe and the work of somebody else and trying to dive into that and they're not making it their own Mm -hmm. they are simply facilitating to what's already been done and completing that and so you tell them like here's what i want this to feel like sound like whatever not really how much of it because the song's already there like as far as the vibe and the feel right so the hope is that they listen to the song catch the vibe and that's kind of i guess how you find your right mixer or master is that you listen to whatever they came up with and if they get it then they're hired they don't then fuck them but thanks appreciate it yeah yeah that's that's business yeah so we're gonna shop that around uh trying to figure out the right person for that and then try to start submitting it to uh, different bloggers maybe try some like local radio stuff like that and that's like the marketing part yeah yeah. So how do you go about marketing a, C, a, a music? How do you go about that? What um, are the options? I don't know, like not even personally, just like how does somebody say, here's a couple avenues to get it out as good as best we can? I mean, social media, I think, is the best way. It's powerful. It, I mean, it's and it's free. Mm-hmm. For, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like to market yourself and advertise yourself on social media is fucking huge. And that's the best way to kind of push that a little bit more so you can promote on there so like doing all those promotions making sure that people see your name it's not necessarily that they know your story and what you're doing it's that they keep seeing your name over and over and over again and that's what draws them into like getting interest and so when you're trying to like market your album or your ep or whatever that's a great way to go about it another way that you have to do is artists have press kits so it's like a one page view of who you are your accomplishments your accolades your songs and where you've performed at all that all the good stuff like mm-hmm. basically a resume, a resume yeah. essentially but with like shit attached to it so like you've got like your youtube stuff's on there okay. um, maybe your maybe a couple singles are on there and you start sending that out to people and trying to get someone to bite from that Mm-hmm. So that's one way. But just kind of building that momentum, I think, is what I'm going to end up doing between now and January. Building that momentum, trying to um, do a lot of shows, get a lot of people talking about it, and kind of go from there. It's the hustle. Dude, yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's like, that's a hustle. That's like everything. I think that's awesome. It doesn't feel like hustling when you are when you enjoy it. So. Oh, and you love it. I mean, do you do like managers or anything like that? Or like, is it just you? 
obviously we talked about a minute ago your husband gave you a little advice and something and you were like yeah and he was like oh yeah <laughs> how much of it is at this stage right where it's it's you and you go how much do you do how much do you let other people do as far as the influence or whatever it is I would say I have to say I have a fantastic team mm-hmm. of people because I think that every successful person has incredible people supporting them I agree. and when you are looking at your own gift in and of itself, you're not seeing the whole part of it. And I think the biggest thing that creatives struggle with, I know for sure I struggle with it, is balancing the creative and the business because they're totally different things. Mm-hmm. And you have to separate them enough to see them that way in order to be successful in each avenue. When I'm being creative, I'm just thinking about the emotional aspects of this and 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 how this is going to be received and perceived. And... The business side of it is how am I going to market it so people feel what I want them to feel? And so I struggle with the business side of it, which is where my husband's fantastic at helping me and assisting in that and facilitating with that. So I'm super grateful. And then my drummer and producer, he's incredible and he helps facilitate that. And he's been in the industry for a long time and he's had a lot of success. And so he kind of helps me get through that. So, I mean, between my husband and Dolly, like those guys... They're super, super helpful. Small team. That's a big deal. Small circle. That's a big deal. I like that. I think that's cool. So, okay, album 2020. Other than the album, I think when we just kind of really covered it all, I wanted to finish with kind of what's next for you. But we talked about what's immediately next, which is a little marketing, a little finishing up the CD and, and the album and doing all that. And then anticipations for you for like 2020, right? This album comes out. Obviously, there's the shoot for the stars. Everything goes amazing. People love it. Probably tour the whole gig. But 2020, like, what's what would be for you a good year? Like, you mm-hmm. would look at this and go, this was nice. If 2020 is remotely close to 2019, I'd be stoked. The team was big. I like to try to find, like, a balance between, like, appreciating where I'm at right now. Because I, I try my best to live in the now because I think that that's healthy and smart for the kind of world that I'm in but at the same time like my aspirations for 2020 would obviously be that they exceed Mm -hmm. what I've experienced this year I would love like you said to like be on tour like that would just I would really like to get on tour with like some good bands and kind of just be exhausted like Mm -hmm. I want to be so exhausted and enthralled in music that it's crazy and I mean this year has been a lot of that too so I can't take away from that but I'm committed to like the work that's going to take and I'm committed to the sacrifice and embracing that I want to keep writing I want to start talking to some labels Um, I'm definitely after this album's coming out I want to get back in the studio and I know that that's like crazy but to me this album is part one and there's still part two Mm -hmm. and so for me I'm not looking at it like okay I did my studio thing we can put it on the shelf that's no it's Back to the grind. Bigger than that, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it's not like the, that's not the goal. Yeah. That's the starting line for you, huh? Hell yeah. I know, like I said, I've been following you on Instagram for a long time. It's fun to see. It was literally like, I felt like 2019 was like every other day. I'm going here. I'm doing this. Show up. Hang out. Watch me play music. It's cool to see. So I know personally, after listening to a little bit of song one of Untold Album to everyone listening, but still told to me i'm stoked i think it's gonna be amazing and i'm looking forward to kind of seeing 
what happens. I'm also looking forward to like circling back in probably a year and going, look what just happened. Like, yeah. I think it would be cool. So thank you for coming out here. I know you are busy, so I appreciate your time. Thank you for having it's me. It's been amazing. Uh, I learned some things. More importantly, I'm just lose a little sleep on your husband being 29 years old. It really irritates me. But it's all good. Thanks for coming, anyways. Thank you so much. So I will. We will do this again. I know for sure. This was fun. So Hell yeah. Best of luck. I can't wait for this album. One more time before you leave. Social media, please yes. give it all to us. So my Instagram is Hollander.music. That's H L L N D R dot music. No vowels. And my website is hollander.com. No vows. Follow me. Like all my shit. Watch all my YouTube stuff. Definitely listen to me on Spotify as much as possible. Do it. Everybody do it. <laughs> Thank you, Ashley. Appreciate it.